So <clears throat> when I was at my other parishes, um, one Christmas, this, uh, two aunts brought their niece to the Christmas mass. And so I was close friends with the aunts. So after mass, after Christmas, when I'm saying goodbye to people, I said to the niece, I said, well, that was your first Catholic mass. What do you think? And she kind of cracked me up because she said, well, it was a lot of work. <laughs> and like, I thought that was so funny because um, from her, her experience, it would be a lot of work because um, she goes to kind of a rock and roll church where you get a latte in the, uh, the foyer and then you sit down and it's just a rock concert. So you just enjoy yourself. And like, she was kind of funny, like that was a lot of work. Um, and she, she's right because she's used to receiving, like you, you show up to receive. But worship is many things, but one of the things in the Bible that God is always saying is that worship is offering God a gift. So from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, biblical worship is you have to offer God a gift. So I love that. And my favorite line in the book of Leviticus is, how dare anybody show up to the presence of God without a gift to offer? So you have to offer a gift. Worship is not entertainment. It's actually the opposite. It's offering God a gift. But here's the real twist. So think about that as a definition of true worship. And the odd part is, there's a lot of non-Christians who offer God really good worship. And believe it or not, that's part of what we celebrate in the Epiphany that you have the Magi, well, they're over there now, the Magi, um, they end up offering Christ their gifts. And like, I know, I know I've told you the story before, but one of the, probably the top five holiest people I've ever met in my life um, was this guy I met in Idaho Falls. His name was Willie, and he was a former Nazi. Um, do you remember me telling you his story? I just... Willie, is, in case you slept through that one, um, I'm going to tell Dr. He's just such an amazing man. At 17, he was picked to be Rommel's tank driver in World War II. And Rommel only accepted the best. And Willie, even as like an 80-year-old man, he was huge and powerful, always powerful. Um, and Willie, I met him because um, he was a Nazi and... Um, after World War II, the United States graciously let him come to the United States because he couldn't stay in um, Germany. So he's relocated to, by Pocatello. And then he falls in love with this other German, uh, she's Bavarian, Elsie, who was Catholic. And Elsie was his world. He was so in love with Elsie. And then Elsie developed Alzheimer, um, she was in a facility, and then I did her funeral, and I got to meet Willie. And holy cow, Willie was amazing, because even after Elsie died, Willie would go to all the nursing homes with donuts just to check on the patients. But Willie, like, he's a huge German guy, and Willie would bring donuts, because he says, I know, I know I can be very demanding, but oftentimes in nursing homes, 
Alzheimer's units, patients slipped through the cracks. And who they had was Willie. So he'd bring donuts just to smooth the nurses. Because um, he would check up on people. Then Willie also, um, he would wake up at night, drive to the bus station in Idaho Falls just to see if any of the homeless vagrants of the road needed a ride and a place to stay. Honest to God, he was the Mother Teresa of uh, Idaho Falls. And um, he was super smart. So he learned to do taxes and he did a lot of elderly people's taxes because they took advantage. Uh, people took advantage of the elderly. And you had Willie, this old German, who always defended the weak. He did people's taxes. Then Hispanics would be, had a problem in Idaho Falls of being abused. Willie, this German, still spoke with a German accent, learned Spanish. So imagine Spanish with a heavy German accent. <laughs> um, and he was their advocate. Like, the man was a saint. Like, I, once there was this teenage kid, migrant worker, um, who got separated from his parents. Um, and what do you do with a teenager who, you know, he's just a migrant worker. How do you find his family? You know, so I had Willie. Took the kid out for breakfast. Willie met me. Willie found his family somehow, working on one of the farms. Willie, one of the top five holiest people I've ever met. But my point about that is that Willie, and I don't know why, Willie would go to mass uh, and pray for his wife, but Willie never converted to Catholicism. I think that's part of the German mind that you're not allowed to change your opinions or something, I don't know. But he would show up to mass. Um, anyhow, he was an amazing guy. But think about this. Willie, I, I even asked him, I said, Willie, you know, he's such a nice guy. Were you really a Nazi? And he said, yeah, I really did believe in Hitler, but I was a 17-year-old kid. Um, and as an 80-year-old man, he's the opposite. Willie's the one who, he's in the Bible, they called a goel, somebody who always defends other people. But my point being is that Willie wasn't Catholic, wasn't religious at all, and yet I still think one of the top five holiest people I've ever met. And if true worship, getting back to this, is offering God a gift, holy cow, look at the gift Willie offers. He took care of the Hispanics. He took care of the homeless. He took care of the uh, Alzheimer's nursing home. He took care of um, everybody. Isn't that absolutely amazing? And he really did, he died, but he really did always offer a gift. And a lot of people like to say, I love Jesus. But how dare they show up to the presence of Christ without a gift to offer? Willie, his whole life was this sacrificial offering. Out of love of Elsie, Elsie was a star, um, he completely changed. And he truly offered this gift. And so in this Magi twist, um, you know, this sounds kind of strange. Is there any Nazis in heaven? Yeah, I think Willie's there. Granted, he's a former Nazi, but I think he's far holier than others. And the twist in today's story of magi, who are pagans, made it to the manger. And the point about that is that they're magi. They're not part of the religious group. Now, I want to explain who magis are because I love magis. So magis are Zoroastrian priests. 
So Zoroastrian is this religion. They worship light. Uh, their temples were fire temples. If you're a Zoroastrian, you have to always pray in the light. Um, anyhow, um, so they believed in God, but they also believed in the devil. But the name for the devil was the lie, which I always like. So their name for the devil was a lie, but they worship light and they too had these prophecies. This great savior would come and that savior would be born of a virgin and be known by a star. So Zoroastrian priests in uh, like Persia and Babylon, they were astrologers as well, highly educated. And um, even like the prophecy of the Bethlehem star was made by this pagan a lot of people don't know this. In the Old Testament, the prophecy that the, of the star is actually by a Zorian Astrid, uh, Balaam, who he's sent to curse the Jews, but when he goes to do it, he gets this vision and he says, I see him, the Christ, I see him. And he'll, he has this prophecy that he'll be lit by a star. So even the Bethlehem star is from a Zorian Astrid pagan. And then, you know, thousands of years later, you have the Magi who show up because they see the star, they make it to Jerusalem, and they offer their gifts. Um, so I, I love that. And um, they symbolize, the Magi symbolize all those outside of religion who also unknowingly worship the Christ. And they worship not by taking, they worship by offering a gift. For the Magi, science, astrology, astro yeah, astrology, sorry, almost said astro uh, astronomy. I actually, I have this friend who um, is an astrophysicist, and I, now I'm going off on a tangent. Um, and <laughs> we were taking walkers to LA, and somebody found out that he was an astronomer, and they said, well, um, Anyhow, he's going to Chile to, the, to this big observatory. And he says, well, no, I'm leaving town. So they come back and say, is something bad going to happen? And that's when they re we realize, oh, they mean astrology. <laughs> Anyhow, they're astronomers. So it's science. The education was their form of worship. And the point being is that God is close to those people who seek truth. They could be of a different religion, but their desire for truth will lead them to Christ. And all one day, all of us will be gathered together around Christ. And so think about the contrast of the Magi, which would be the Jewish priests in the temple. Um, they're the right religion, but they have no desire for truth. Not, they know exactly where Christ is going to be born, and they won't leave their comfort. The Magi, they're like Willie. Their whole life, they are offering a gift. They're outside of religion, but they end up worshiping Christ. And the gifts they offer, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, all mean something. The gold is pretty obvious. The gold is divinity, right? Kings have gold. So one of the gifts they offer is gold. Um, and like, it's nobility. You offer Christ the gift of your nobility. It proves he's the king. Frankincense, frankincense is really incense, but it's used in worship, so it's used in a prayer life, 
So even like um, certain Jewish meals, you had to offer frankincense. Um, and frankincense, it comes from this tree and it's put in oil when priests are ordained. So if a kid gets baptized, baptized afterwards, we anoint him. And have you ever smelled that chrism? No, never. nobody smelled a baby who's been baptized? What's wrong with you people? Um, but that's a perfumey smell. It's done for priests, it's incense offered in um, certain Jewish masses, but it symbolizes a life of prayer. Um, when you say you offer Christ incense, it's all a life of prayer because Christ is the true high priest. The really odd prayer, gift is the myrrh because myrrh was used for funeral rites. Now, really interesting. Even in Neolithic times, human beings offered myrrh as part of funeral rites. It's incredibly ancient. Um, but myrrh symbolizes death and sacrifice. No offense, what Willie really offers Christ is a life of myrrh. Think of all the sacrifices, getting up in the middle of the night to check on the homeless people, going to nursing home, defending the migrants, um, taking care of the elderly. Um, his life was a living sacrifice. Does that make sense? It wasn't actual myrrh, but it's what the myrrh symbolizes. Um, and myrrh is a really strange gift that you would offer a baby. It'd be like showing up to a baby shower and saying, here, I have embalming fluid. Um, but Christ is going to be a life of sacrifice for others. Um, Willie, he offers myrrh. He offered myrrh to Christ, taking care of everybody else, a life of sacrifice. It symbolizes Christ. Now, the opposite of like the Magi, they truly do worship, even though they're not religious. They worship because they offer a gift. Look at the opposite of, it, of Herod. Herod, um, Herod's a coward. Uh, he appears to be secure in status and power, but he's afraid. And if you didn't know anything about Herod, Herod killed his own wife. He killed his own children just because he wanted to solidify his power. He killed the leading people of Jerusalem because power was everything. Um, so yeah, Herod would willingly kill children in front of their mothers. And he could have offered his political skills to God, but really all the gifts that he were given was never offered to God or anybody else. So what he ends up offering is death. And by the way, Herod is right. There can only be one king. And so the child king threatens Herod. He has to be done away with. And in one sense, the child king for us should threaten our way of life as well, our selfishness. Um, and so the Magi, my point being is that they are true worshipers because they offer a gift. And now, this sounds kind of strange. Do you know why, I'm changing something, do you know why liturgically, if you enter the sanctuary, you're supposed to bow? Anybody know why? Because it symbolizes your journey of life, but then when you get to the sanctuary, this part symbolizes heaven, you have to offer God a gift and you bow before entering it because before you enter heaven, you better have a gift to offer. So, Willie, I know this sounds kind of strange. I really do believe he's in heaven. He always sought the truth. He always offered this great gift for others. And so in one sense, 
We have a whole mass once a year for those non-Catholics, the Magi, who truly do worship Christ, who offer a gift. And we want to be like the Magi in the sense that we always are offering a gift as well. We're the ones who seek truth. Um, And even in the Eucharistic prayer tonight, um, listen to it where it says, um, uh, it's a prayer that we would become an everlasting gift to God. So the Magi, we celebrate, wow, in heaven, there's going to be non-Catholics who their entire life, they offered a gift. So just one more story, what it means to be a Magi, if I haven't bored you too much. Have I? Okay. You get the point. True worship is offering a gift. You know, it's not my favorite Christmas song, but you know the one that tears me up? I still love it. Is Little Drummer Boy. And... You know, that it's that line, I'm a poor boy too. Uh, you know, he has no gift to offer except his music. A true Christian, or a true worshiper of God, is somebody who always offers a gift. And once a year, we Catholics, we thank God for all the Magis, the seekers of knowledge and truth, who like Willie, they may be outside of our religion, but they truly do know worship. We want to be like those magi and always offer a gift, not take or be entertained by God, but actually offer something to God. Hello, this is Father Len McMillan. I'd like to take a moment to thank you for listening to our podcast. If they've been a blessing to you, I'd also like to invite you to prayerfully discern supporting the podcast financially. Your generosity would help support the ongoing production and distribution of the podcast. If you'd like to make a donation, you can simply click the link in the podcast description. Be sure to tell us your donation is for the podcast in the comment section of the submission form. Again, thank you for your support as we seek to share the good news of the gospel. May God bless you for your generosity.